0: You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. Uh, Our topic today is black contributions to theology and to the church as a whole. So for Black History Month, we wanted to spend some time talking about the ways that black people have contributed to church history, to our theology that we hold dear, and how even some of the most important church fathers were actually people of color. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today Zach Wyrock, who's a member of our leadership team, uh, Paul Turner, and Richard White, who are both on staff with Orchard NEO here at CCC. Our topic today, with Black History Month, is talking about Black contributions to our theology, to our church, and to Christianity as a whole. So uh, I'm going to kind of turn it over to Paul and Rich, but we're here today to to talk about that. So
1: yeah, I think uh well, you know initially when Jimmy and I had this conversation, I thought uh. You know, one of the reasons why I think this is an important conversation is because I think for, for many of us who have uh who, you know, have been discipled, been going to seminaries, gone through just church history, we hear a lot of names, right? And we always typically I know for myself, right? I'm regular inner city guy, started to engaged into theology when I was disciple, and I just I assumed everyone that I was that I was hearing from as far as church history were just were just white guys to be honest with you and I think it was normal for me to just think that you know what I mean and over time and I continue to grow up and just think yeah this guy and and I think the idea really didn't come to me until I was planning my church in 2015 I was in East Cleveland and I was approached by uh, a group of uh, Hebrew Israelites and uh, one of the things were black Hebrew Israelites, and they're just a, a kind of a, a black mystery cult now, uh, believe themselves to be the true Hebrews because they're black. I don't know. Anyway, uh, strange stuff. But we were talking. One of the things that they continue to say to me was that how Christianity, as we know, it was a white man's religion. And I think that was the first time I think I was pulled kind of out of my body as far as understanding weight. What have I been listening to? What have I been understanding? How can I give a adequate, proper defense? How can I truly understand it and see it the way that they see it? And in many ways, right, I think, you know, although I would disagree with where their logic takes them, I would also agree to say, you know what, I did listen to and hear a lot of historians, a lot of theologians, and I can't say any of them were actually black that I learned from. And so it dived me into the space of just thinking like, you know, part of the problem is this black guy, you start to think you know uh you, you can start to create an inferiority complex for yourself where you think man Uh, no black people are actually, like, contributing, right? We're only known for emotionalism in church. We're only known for this or that. But the reality is, as I started to do more history, I started to see that there were a lot more contributions that black people have been making to uh, just how we understand even Christianity here in the West. And so it was this idea of just saying, hey, I don't want to prop these names up just for the sake of combating the... just for the sake of combating, you know, that uh, whatever the narrative could be, but just for the sake of realizing, hey, man, God created everybody, he created everybody, he created all ethnicities, and that we all are in a space where we are on equal footing before him. And even our contributions, even if they seem different or more louder than others, that's just not true. And the more you do research, you really realize and hear names that, yo, I've actually heard his name before. I know who that is. And you'll find out, no, these were actually some black uh, people who actually engaged and helped us shape the way we even would understand Christianity in America. So this was one of the first things that I think brought to, brought to my idea as far as why I thought this was an important you know, conversation for us to have in the church. So before we
2: get into some of those names and some of those people, maybe it could good to just stop and go, why would it be a problem? if Christianity were understood as a white religion. You know, as you think about um being a person of color, or you think of uh global people all around the world, if if that charge, let's just say that the the black Hebrew Israelites you met were right. Christianity was a white, Eurocentric European religion, right? Somebody might say, well if it's true, right? If it's true, then it's true. Who cares? What What's the negative or what would be the downside if we understood Christianity as a white man's religion?
3: Because it just excludes, you know, just that one word, exclusion. And we know that Jesus died for the sins of the world, we read Revelations, every tribe, tongue, and nation. So it's about what the truth is. So that's where it would initially would just be a problem. It's just not true.
2: Yeah, I think, I think something you're hitting on there, Rich, which is so helpful is to say that you know we talk about the gospel all the time is good news right and there's a sense in which it's the same good news for everybody right um jesus lived in your place died in your place rose from the dead Doesn't matter where you're from what you look like right it's good news but there's another sense in which aspects of the gospel are better news to different people Mm -hmm. based on their story so i think about the example that um God will judge the sin of the world. He will judge the wicked is great news if you're a victim. If you've been through trauma, if you've been a victim of abuse, right? Then, then the idea that God will vindicate... If you've lived a great life, the idea that God will, will judge the wicked and vindicate the victims will still be good news to you, but it will not be good news to you in the same way. Mm-hmm. One of the things you're saying, Rich, is that part of what makes the gospel good news to people of color is that God values them, right? Mm-hmm. That they're included. And if it were a white man's religion, that would fly in the face of that.
3: Right, exactly. And we see that when it, in America, when it's positioned that way, uh, what happens? Okay, you, you tend to, if you look at yourself as a superior race, and then you tend to devalue other races and ethnicities, and we kind of see remnants of that uh, mindset played out right here in, in America. So we need to bring the truth, we need to debunk the myths, uh, so that um, you know God's truth can can shine
2: bright, and I, I do think there's an element too of that, which is that um, maybe some of what the Black Hebrew Israelites are kind of raging against is that it's undoubtedly true that Christianity has been used mm-hmm. in the past by Europeans to subjugate, to colonialize, right? And and so you see that if it were a white man's religion, it can often become a weapon mm-hmm. in the hands of one a powerful group to oppress and and subjugate others. So uh, for all these reasons, it is actually really important that we all identify that Christianity is not a white man's religion. It is not a European religion. Mm -hmm. So Paul, if somebody says, well, okay, prove that, where where do we start? How how do we begin to show the multi-ethnic richness of Christian history? Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, I always
1: like to, you know, one of the first things I like to go to is just saying, well, first off, like if you you start all the way in Genesis, right? Like we have this idea of like, uh, well, let me bridge the gap from like creation to even now, right? Like when we say black in America, we mean African-American, right? We mean people that at some point in time, about over 400 years ago, uh, a lot of black people were stolen from their land in Africa and brought here. And so I am also a descendant rich. We are also descendants of those people. So when we say African-American, we really mean people, or, or when we say black, we really mean people that are descendants of those people right that are now shaped here in America. And so if you take it further back to creation, the idea of just saying, well, wait, black people that we would know are from Africa necessarily. And so at the very beginning of Genesis, you see at the, Genesis 1, we we're hearing uh uh the the land of uh, uh sorry, the garden of Eden. You're like it's right next to to the Tigris, it's right next to the Pashan, it's right next to the Land of Havilah. Uh, where it's like gold. When you go and actually look and map where that stuff is, it's in Africa. So, like, you see from the very I love, I love that, by the way,
2: because people tend to think the Garden of Eden was, like, this mystical place. Yeah, no, Genesis 2 goes, no, here it is. it's right, like, in an
1: actual place. You can find these places, right? Now, you know, I, I know exactly where Garden of Eden is. No, of course not, but that's not the point. The point is, even if you look at the very beginning, right, in the very beginning where Scripture is saying that life was created, it happened right in the middle, right there in Africa. And so here's, here's the thing, right? What we don't mean to say that in a sense to say one group is better than the other, but we're just trying to expand the reality as far as what we understand to be what things are now and how even from the very beginning, the Bible has been aiming against that to just say, hey, life started here. You know what I mean? Life started here. And that was the point of life starting here to say there's one master race or ethnicity. No, all of life all of life, people made in the image of God started right there in Africa. And I think it's just an important thing to hear, right? When you look even in the Old Testament, right, all Africa's mentioned over 37 times even in the Old Testament. And if you fast forward to the New Testament, you hear about the Ethiopian eunuch. Like, you hear all of these African-centered spaces and, and people, right? But you divorce them from the idea of them being what we as Americans would think of as black, because I think we are kind of discipled to think away from kind of the cultural context of it. And I think part of the problem, like, to to come alongside what Rich is saying, is that, for myself in particular, right, like, it it does create a wonder for what does it really mean for myself as a Christian? What does it mean for me to even live the Christian life? Am I now aiming towards something that I cannot be because I am who I am?
2: Yeah, and growing up, listen, growing up, I grew up in a Southern Baptist context, uh, mostly in the South and a little bit in Indiana, and growing up, all of our Bible characters were white. I mean, every time we had a Bible story, every time I saw a painting or a picture... Now, I know you might say, well, we don't know what color Abraham was, and that's true, uh, which is actually an argument for making sure people of different colors are represented Mm -hmm. in our Mm -hmm. Bible Mm -hmm. stories. Since we don't know, Mm -hmm. let's not just... Because I I do think... I I don't know that the People painting those pictures or mm-hmm. were were had evil intentions, but it does subtly reinforce mm-hmm. something I think, which is if you grow up a kid like me, you're going, well, I I resonate with the stories of the Bible because there were people who look like me. Mm-hmm. But if you grow up as a kid in a different neighborhood, you think, well, I don't resonate with these stories because those people don't look like me. And and I think it's a you know it's it's an interesting. Um, to say even with like you think about the uh, popularity of something like Hamilton mm-hmm. and the way Hamilton included actors of color, even to play parts that mm-hmm. because they were just saying, hey, it's just good representation. It's mm-hmm. just good. Let people mm-hmm. identify with the story. And that when we don't do things like that with the Bible, it does develop this sense that it is a, a white thing. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think even to, to come alongside that, like even using a Hamilton reference, like I just saw it for the first time this year and it was for the first time. And I, I've, I think I've told you this before, too. For the first time, I think I had a bit more of a pride in being American, Mm. actually watching Mm. the portrayal of Mm. people that were held as heroes in just the creation of our nation and being able to step outside of the black and white thing and say, well, there were people who lived, fought, and died for ideals. and I had a greater appreciation for seeing myself in the narrative, but when I didn't see myself in the narrative, it was very hard to kind of connect over the larger idea of what the good, you know what I mean, of even some of those people, ideas, and spaces were. So Mm -hmm. I think, look, to flip it over to Christianity, I think it ends up being the exact same thing. You grew up in, in, in thinking that none of the Bible heroes look like you or anything like that, then I think it does. You, I, I didn't look at it and say, oh, this person was one. I just assumed they were. And I just assumed they were somebody completely different from who I was. So now the mark for what I thought righteousness was or being a herald of truth or being a hero, I thought it had a color to it that didn't match my skin. And so that's, again, one of the reasons why I think it's important for us to kind of go through the space and say, no, I, it's not necessarily true. It's not true at all. And here are some of the reasons, here are some of the names, here are some of the people that have kind of helped us shape that so that we can think of it differently.
2: All right, so let's do some church history. Yeah, like, let's talk about some some brothers, maybe sisters, throughout mm-hmm. the history of the church mm-hmm. who have contributed to what we now know as Christianity mm-hmm. who were demonstrably not mm-hmm. white. Mm-hmm.
1: So now have you—so Zach, Zach and Jim, I'm gonna throw, these, throw this to you guys. Have you guys learned of Augustine? Yeah. You you guys know who Augustine is, right? I like that
2: you call him Augustine, too, and not Augustine.
1: Right. I I don't know if that's... Augustine is correct, right? Well, I I think tomato, (laughs) tomato,
2: but I prefer (laughs) Augustine.
1: (laughs) But, like... (laughs) with you guys when you when you hear the name of who he is where, like even when i look up some of the art of him like he he looks like he just looks like a european like like guy from a vote were you guys taught learned thought mm. of who he was where he came from anything like that no i
2: mean i know now because of going to seminary right. and graduate school and and hearing uh and knowing geographically where mm-hmm. augustine's from and mm-hmm. but no growing up to the extent i knew who augustine was mm-hmm. he would have been just another guy who looked like me mm-hmm. exactly which
1: is Again, part of the problem, right? We see a guy like that. He's heralded, he's heralded as a church father, and we instantly think he probably was a European guy. But he was actually from Northern Africa, yeah. right? And he was actually a guy in, in, in that was very pivotal in even helping Calvin and even Luther no kind doubt. of understand... Even their idea, and he's actually even now to this day heralded as one of the greater church fathers who helped even shape the thought of Christianity for the Western civilization. We
2: sing songs at CCC yep. that he wrote. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. the impact that he mm-hmm.
1: had. And he was a black man. <laughs> he was from Africa. That was, like, clearly. So even just the shape of understanding, okay, I've heard of him. I know who he is. I've heard of his contributions, but to think even what his skin color looked like, right, it it aims toward this idea of just saying, hey, man, look, God's narrative through his people is greater than a color. You know what I mean? It's greater than an ethnicity, and we are contributing, but you hear a name like him, and you say, hey, he actually was a black man.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I can hear someone saying, okay, look, what difference does it make? Boom. He wrote The City of God, right? Who cares? He wrote Confessions. Those are great books. Those have shaped our theology. What difference does it make? To which I would say, well, if it doesn't make a difference, then let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the point, right? If it doesn't make a difference, mm-hmm. then let's be honest about who he was. Mm-hmm. And the fact that maybe through history, there's been a whitewashing of Augustine would imply that for some people, it, it did make a difference. Is mm-hmm. that fair to say?
1: Yeah. I would say so. Like I think hearing that did help me here. When I so now when I when I'm going into and I can say this kind of wrap it up even with the, uh, the names later on, but just saying when I'm confronted with not even a white person coming to me and saying this, one of my black brothers and sisters from my area saying Christianity is a white man's religion, then I can say on equal footing, hey, you are aiming at dignity, like you're aiming at black dignity, and you're and you're and you're not finding the answers where you think you're seeing it, the reality is that we do have dignity and there are church fathers who even help understand and shape how we would understand Christianity and they were black. And here are a few names, right? Here are, so then when you get this idea that all oh, those Europeans it, no, it's like, no, 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 this is actually a Northern African father, right? Who helped us shape our idea. So if Europeans came into Africa to help that to then create slavery, well then how do you explain somebody like Augustine? Mm. You know what I mean? How do you explain it? Who predated who predated the 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 1619, he predated that time. Yeah, I do want to
2: say too that, uh, you know, I know you can find paintings of Augustine that are white, and that's important to say because lest you Google Augustine and you come back with white paintings, but we don't actually know what Augustine looked like because, look, there are paintings of Jesus that are white, but that doesn't mean Jesus mm-hmm. was white. It means that he was represented as white. What we do know is that Augustine's father was Roman and his mother was Berber, which was a North African indigenous group, right? Mm-hmm. Which we, we do know other Berbers were people of color, right? So even if Augustine had a white father and a mother of color, what we know that means is he would have been a person of color. So no one's claiming to know the shade of Augustine. exactly. But right. what we're saying is that it is meaningful to say, which by the way, because I, I, I think people tend to say, why are we forcing the issue of race? And I want to be really clear, Paul, because what I hear you saying is actually we're not the issue of race was forced when Augustine was painted as white. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is just saying, hey, there's actual value, and as Jesus said, the truth will set you free. There's actual value in declaring what is true, mm-hmm. which is that Augustine was a person of color, which is incredibly meaningful mm-hmm. for brothers and sisters in Christ who, who are people of color, to say, wow, a, a church father who had a huge impact mm-hmm. looked like me or looked more like me than my white brother or sister.
3: Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to ask you guys, I, I love, I mean, I'm learning a lot here, just listening to you guys. So let me ask you, was another church Tert- Tertullian, am I pronouncing that mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Was he considered, yeah. was he African as well?
1: Yep. He was the North, Northern African father as well. And he, uh, see, it's funny because he was also one to, to help us kind of uh, shape our ideology as far as the Trinity. Yeah. Right, like it's, it's small so country. Funny. <laughs> here, like just really, really quick. You Ever heard so, of the Trinity? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was right, you ever heard Like that was him. <clears throat> like Tertullian, who yeah. was a, who was a uh, North Northern Af- North African father, who he was the first one to use the word Trinitas, which would turn into Trinity, which would be the very basis. That very we important to say
2: from a theological standpoint. He didn't invent the concept. No, 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 no. He was he the first assigned to the word yep, to the biblical yep, which concept. which we
1: use all the time. <laughs> mm. It's like so when we think of that, right? That's that 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 comes from a North African uh, father who was, who, who, who again... To use our terminology now, he was a black man who helped shape our understanding, and he was combating a lot of stuff during that time in the Roman Empire about the idea of who Jesus was, and 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 was and was he the Son of God? Was he a created being? And he's one that stepped up and said, "Nah, like he he wasn't a created being. He is God," and he coins this term "Trinitas," which would turn to Trinity, and now gives one of the greatest defenses that we could even help to understand to explain our belief system to any religion, regardless mm-hmm. of. Their and again, ethnicity.
2: he's from Tunisia. Which I'm not great at geography, but Tunisia is not in Europe. <laughs> that was like, You're good enough to know. Like, yeah. it. it's not in Europe. <clears throat> exactly.
1: So I mean, look. So that again, to, to Tertullian is 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 an, is another one where it's like his contributions are crazy important. For us to just understand the very ground that a lot of us are walking on and as far as our theology, some of that ground was built by his terminology and what he used in creating and in, in his idea of what he said and stated some of theology was. So I think it's important. I think it's really important for us to know and understand. Okay, keep
2: that. going. You're on a roll. Who else? <laughs> so I
1: would say uh, Athanasius. Athanasius was another guy, was another guy that we now, what did you, Zach, just again, you being a seminarian, what did you learn about Athanasius?
2: You're gonna put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one yeah. of the things I know about Athanasius is he was a major defender of Christianity against a variety of heresies mm-hmm. that threatened the church in its early early stages. Mm-hmm. He also is the author of the Athanasian Creed. Mm. If you're looking for something else. <laughs> I'm just saying, look,
1: the the, and this is not to put you on the spot to say, these are things that you heard about a man that was incredibly important. You never heard that he was Northern African either. Like, you never heard that even who he was, like, being heralded as matter. a church father. It didn't matter. It, it It did not matter, right? To which I say that's widely important for me to understand, right, as a black man in America saying... When people say Christianity was a white man's religion, I can just look at early church fathers like Athanasius, like Tertullian, like Augustine and say, hey, these guys helped us shape the entire way we understand Christianity. It's not a white man's religion. It's not a white man's religion. And one of the things, too, is that he even helped push back on even some of the ideas of the Imago Day, right? Like some of the stuff that he would say about just the slavery and pushing people toward against and away from that, his ideology was shaped on some of the stuff that I think would even help us today as far as understanding what the image of God really meant regardless of someone's ethnicity. But again, early church father, you've heard about him so much in seminaries, but you've never heard that he was also a black man. Yep. So now, I, another one I
2: learned point. about in seminary was Origin who is yeah. Egyptian, mm. right? Another church father. And you know, part of this just makes me lament that, honestly, before seminary, I wasn't really taught church history, mm-hmm. number one. I mean, we could just we could do a whole other podcast on mm-hmm. the importance of understanding where Christianity mm-hmm. came from and how it's developed. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we are naming... This is not like where you look at fringe characters and mm-hmm. you go, oh, look, over yeah. there, there's a not-a-white person. Mm-hmm. These are titans of the faith. I mean, these are... Men who, in God's providence, without them and the work they did, mm-hmm. you, you would not know of Christianity. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, God is sovereign; God is in charge; God is faithful to His promises. But the mechanisms He used mm-hmm. were these men and mm-hmm. others to carry on the tradition of Christianity.
0: Mm-hmm. So, one question I was thinking about: so, I, you know, my my background is is fairly conservative, both politically and theologically, and I can just hear myself, uh, maybe ten years ago, asking the question like, okay. Why does it matter that this person was black or white? You know, why can't it just be theology? Why do we have to talk about black theology? Why do we talk about white theology? So, as black men, can you maybe give an answer to that like wh- why is it so important that we highlight that for example, Augustine was actually a person of color and not simply say, well, Augustine just computed, contributed to Christianity. So that's why we we value him.
3: Yeah, because the the narrative in America you know that that white is good and, and black is bad. That whites have contributed to the shaping of America in every way possible, and we have not. Our including history, within the church, yeah, including within the church. So I got I got to include it because, you know, um, so taking it to the church um, when when you when you come when you look at America and how we've been looked at as not having contributed. Anything or how our how our history has been wiped out. Okay, that also includes the church. So if, if you look at fast forward to the church, I mean, if you look at it, 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 it has to. It's, I'm I'm kind of mumbling here, but because um, I'm real passionate about this, but I feel that you know when you look at America and how it was shaped and how we were left out of a lot of contributions, and then and it's the same way within the church. So our value is has been so minimized in our contributions that it's easy to see us as black people in America as just not having any value at all. So what this does is it it brings the truth that we do have value. We have contributed to not only America, but to the church as well. And it would behoove you to learn about this history so you too can see the value and how God and created us, and what we bring,
2: and even you know as a pastor, I would say there are a lot of basic theological concepts that connect with this I mean, for example, the idea that people are made in the image of God, and therefore uh people of all kinds have a variety of value to bring and giftedness and skills to bring. Second, the idea that God recognizes that, that when God is writing this story of Christianity, he is using men and women, black, white, Asian, and all that, that he's using poor people and rich people, right? The idea is that God is shaping a story, and, you know, we talked about Hamilton and the idea that someone said in that story, hey, it's important, when we have people who watch our story... We want them to see that we value everyone feeling like this is their story. Well, in the same way, it, it it's saying God had that same sense. It mattered to God that the story he's writing of Christianity is one that it, it includes and is representative of the incredible diversity that he he has made. So that in heaven, if we were to do, if we were to sit down and hear the story of how Christianity developed and and went global, there would be men and women of all different ethnicities to to whom we would point and go, thank you for the part you played. That that is meaningful so that we recognize this is not any one people's story, it's God's story. It's our story in Christ, Mm -hmm. right?
1: And that's, that's a huge point that you make because that's one of even my main aims in even bringing this up, right, is that I think oftentimes, right, the division of of and we just have to be honest, like as as the church in America, like I want to speak directly to just the church in America. Right. Like we have black church, we have white church. That didn't just happen. You know what I mean? That was an intentional thing that happened. So we have kind of almost in a sense a divided faith, but we would ascribe to the same faith, but we're divided. And my aim and even saying this to for my black brothers is saying, hey, we have dignity. We do have dignity. We have been making contributions. There is worth in who God created you to be. But then I'm also turning to my white brothers and sisters, and I'm saying, hey, look, this should create a greater camaraderie with us, right? Like, this should mean, hey, this hey, is a shared story. Like, yeah. This is our story. Like, this yep. is us together. Like, I don't mean to bring up race to say, to exclude my white brothers and sisters, but to include them and to expand on this idea. And I do the same for my my black brothers and sisters to say, this is our story. And I think that's key.
2: I think that's key because I think there's a lot, uh, maybe even who listen to this podcast who would go, oh, why do we have to keep bringing up race? Why do we have to keep? And I would just say, if God saw fit to use particular people for particular reasons, then we ought to be asking why that is, right? All this is, is pointing to the story of God and saying. Hey God, what'd you do, and wh- how did you do it? And mm-hmm. no one's forcing anything here, mm-hmm. right? We, we're we're just simply saying, hey, let's acknowledge that that God could have picked any time and any place for the church to be birthed. He chose North Africa <laughs> to a yep. large extent. Yep. And let's just acknowledge that and trace out the implications of that, and, and 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 embrace that. No, no one is forcing something into the conversation as much as we're saying. A part of the conversation got left off. Yep. Let's yeah. pick that back up and, and let's and engage. And the actual,
0: the act of forcing something out of the conversation was the act of leaving things off, not yep. the act of yeah. You know, turning. Yeah,
2: and, and you may say, well, well, I didn't do that, and To which I'd say, yeah, you, you didn't. But what you can do is pick up a church history book and marvel at what God has done. What you can do is acknowledge the contributions of all peoples in a variety of ways in the story of God. What you can do is next time your kids color in a Bible coloring book, suggest that maybe a few of the characters have a different skin tone, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. you you can do those things. It's not about necessarily owning all the wrong that's been done. It is about saying, how can I own some right? How can I participate in, in, in highlighting the contributions of people of color to the story of God?
3: And it's important to just do it more than just February. A, a part of me, you know, when, it, when you come on podcasts, you're asked to do stuff, you know, it's always like, all right, it's Black History Month coming up. Let's talk about the contributions of black people to whatever, whether it be the church, America, what what have you. I think as the church, we've got to take the lead, and we've got to get past that just acknowledging it uh, just, you know, 28 days out of the year mm-hmm. and say, look, church has got to step up and say, look, we're going to make this history a part of the fabric of who we are, because if you listen to—you're talking about the Church Fathers and how much they shaped, particularly ones in North Africa, the Christianity that we stand on today, um, why isn't it more prevalent? Why is it—why are we having such a hard time It's a good question. I think I'd say two things.
2: I mean, one is I'm just lamenting the fact that we don't know our history just period. Christians don't know Church history, and it's something the Church just has to engage in more. I, I would imagine most people listening to this podcast w- weren't thinking Tertullian was white, they didn't know who Tertullian mm-hmm. was, right? Mm-hmm. So part of it is we we just have to do a better job in the Church of saying, look, th- there's only Scripture. Scripture is Scripture. Nothing. The Athanasian Creed isn't Scripture. It, it's not equal to Scripture, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't know what it says, mm-hmm. and we we shouldn't have an appreciation for Athanasius. But I think the other thing is, I think you're right, Rich, and, and I think at CCC, we're trying to push more into this just being a regular part of the thing we talk about. Having said that, there is, and I think there is some good about setting a particular time aside, and the reason for that is it's kind of like when I have date night with my wife, right? In some sense, I want to pursue my wife every night, right? But having a fixed point in the week does sometimes remind me, (laughs) shake me out of the the lethargy of not being a husband who's romancing his wife and going, hey, I better be on my game tonight, it's date night. So while I hope that God builds an increasing increasing appreciation in all of us for all the men and women he has used to write his story, while I hope that a hundred years from now uh, the lie that Christianity is a European religion would be completely defeated... Uh, I think there's value in us saying, hey, this is a particular season in which we can begin to engage in that conversation, that what happens in February would spill over into March and April and May and June and July and into further, because the truth is, uh, if if not for the contributions of Christians of color, none of them at this table would be Christians, Mm -hmm. and praise God for that. And if you've never thought about it before, then in that sense, I'm glad this February that you're thinking about. It.
1: Amen. And I would also just kind of just just to, to to last, you know, kind of piggyback on that one to say, you know, I, I would love it to be, if we just kind of think through some of the greatest, uh, you know, original sin, you know, collectively of America, that how it includes racism, right? What would it look like for the church to be able to stand in front of the culture and say, Hey, we have, Many different colors, right? We're all represented here, but we have one faith, right? And we have one Savior who saved all of us. And that all of our, neither one of us are greater than the other. We all stand under who Christ is, who he said he was, and we can all have true relationship and engage and love each other in a way that the world doesn't have the fuel or energy or reason to do so. And I think part of confronting this type of stuff helps us aim toward that, because now we can actually stand before one, before the world who has no reason to – they have no reason to jump over the hurdle. You know what I mean? They have no reason to to bridge the racial gap. But we do because we have a savior who – Came and his blood was red, and it was for all humans who would look to him and say that they needed him and they needed forgiveness. Didn't matter what color you were, and it's offered to all of us. So I can say to my brother, my black brother, who says that Christianity is, for, is the white man's religion, I can say no, it's for you as well, and I can say even for the the, the brother who would say that he is a Christian, but also possibly believe that Christianity is only for white people, even if they believe it subconsciously to say, no, it includes larger. It's larger, right? It's heavier. It's more than just you. It's more than just, But it's us to celebrate a God who created diversity and allowed that to all reign supreme, to look to him and say, this is the God who he is. And we are celebrated in many different shapes, sizes, and colors. And this is just one of those steps to help us do that more adequately so that we can be an actual light to the nation that we